0: Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler here with you for today's VRA investing podcast. Well, it was a rough day for our markets today as all eyes are on tomorrow's FOMC meeting. Yes, here we are again, folks. Uh, If you happened to listen to my podcast last Wednesday, I broke down really what we expect to see from the Fed more so from a fundamental perspective than on the level of rate hikes, more of what the kind of signalings we're gonna see from the Fed and this strategy that they've played for years and are playing right now of this forward-looking game, because they will tell you that they're doing everything that they can to solve the inflation problem while hoping and expecting that you will forget that they are the same people who control monetary policy, who aggressively printed money, digitally printing dollars, right? Like Jay Powell talked about on 60 minutes now trying to hoping that you forget that and selling you their solution of raising interest rates to slow the economy, to hurt the American, the taxpayer, the consumer, all of the above to cool the inflation that they caused. But I won't dive into that today. That's kind of a brief description of what I talked about on last week's podcast. But uh, I'll, I'll actually, I'll share a link in the description for this video on Rumble if you're interested in taking a look at that as well. Uh, because really, that is what the Fed is hoping for right now, that people will forget that they're the ones that caused this problem, that they control monetary policy, and again, so they can sell you the solution. And at the end of the day... They won't be held accountable. That's what they're expecting. That's what they're hoping for here. So don't let them forget that we realize they're the ones who caused this problem at the end of the day. They're the ones who have allowed our government with this aggressive and reckless spending strategies that they've been doing really since the onset of coronavirus insanity. But for today's podcast, instead, we'll focus on the market action here of Fed days, what we can expect tomorrow from the Fed. And of course, what we're looking at beyond there because there's a whole lot, everybody's so focused on tomorrow. I think that they're forgetting that we're now just eight days away from the end of Q3 and the beginning of a new quarter here. So I'll dive into a lot of that today. But tomorrow, the Fed is expected to raise rates by 75 basis points. That's the general consensus right now. Of course, there's always the chance that they uh, do something unexpected. Maybe they go lower than that. Maybe they go higher than that. Uh, We'll we'll find out here tomorrow. But uh, based off of the signaling so far, we think it'll probably be right in line with 75 basis points which will bring the Fed funds rate to the range of 3% to 3.25. And, you know, based off the last couple of years, that sounds like a high number because we've had the last few years of such a low rate environment. Today, the 10 year yield was up 2.3%, hitting its highest level since 2011, early 2011. So rates may seem high right now to you, But let's give that a little bit of perspective because in all reality rates by historical standards are incredibly low, even at these levels here. So if you go back last 10, 15 years, yeah, we're at 11 year highs, but the historical average rate for the 10 year is a 4.26% usually above that level. Right now we're at a 3.57. So there have still got a ways ways to go to get back to the historical average. We're not sure if we'll even get there. Uh, You know, our long-term view here continues to be for negative rates here in the U.S. Right now we're in a rate hike cycle, but the next cycle of lowering we fully expect will be the continuation of the Japanification of the United States, heading towards negative interest rates. That's been our view for some time, and it continues to be our view even throughout this hiking cycle that we're going through right now. But if you go back even further, the the average rates are much, much higher than they are right now. If you go back to the 90s, the average rate for the 90s was roughly a 6% on the 10-year where we saw multiple t- examples of a 7% plus, even 8% plus in the really early 90s. But in the early innings of the dot-com bubble, the 10-year average over a 6% at the time. We had some dips below it as well, but mostly stayed above it. So we're nowhere near high interest rates when you zoom out. Of course, we all know why the Fed wants low interest rates. It's because we live in a debt-based economy. The way that the Federal Reserve was set up since 1913. Again, I covered that in depth in our last podcast, but because of that style of a system, we can't have higher interest rates for a long time here. Otherwise, the system just simply doesn't work. Uh, That's why we continue to look for negative interest rates. And really, you know, so many people are calling for a collapse of this style of a system. But given that the negative interest rate system works on some level, Japan has proven that, a lot of Europe has proven that, doesn't mean it's great, right? It's not ideal, obviously, but a system can stay afloat in that environment. So that's what we continue to expect here. But zooming back into today, overall, unless the fed is really intent on absolutely crashing the economy here, which is not our view, as you, as you've heard me say, then we see weakness like today's as a buying opportunity. And we're going to continue to looking to, to look at it that way. And here's why while all eyes are on tomorrow's federal reserve meeting, again we are just eight days away from the beginning of the or sorry the end of the third quarter beginning of the fourth quarter here so that means a lot of bullish factors for the market first off fund flows we got beginning of the month fund flows but not only that beginning of the quarter inflows as well from pension funds retirement plans 401ks and other sources as well that is very bullish for the market and there's typically front running of that action as well, because it has to be so telegraphed in advance. So, you know, going into next week, we could be looking at the front running of those fund flows as well. And then after that, we'll have Q3 earnings. That's going to begin probably roughly mid-October, not probably, it will begin around mid-October. But companies have lowered their estimates, lowered their guidance so much over the last two earnings quarters, and that's the game, right? If they lower their guidance enough, as long as they come in line with that, or if they even get a beat, it looks good on the top line numbers. Now they may not beat quarter over quarter numbers. They may not beat year over year numbers, but they're beating estimates. That adds a certain level of a positive sentiment towards those stocks. So that's the game there. It could be something similar to what we saw from Walmart, in Q2, you know, coming out before earnings, saying that they could be really bad, really coming in about in line with expectations. So we could be saying, seeing the same thing now from FedEx as well. And then, of course, it also means that we'll get Q3 GDP coming up here as well. And you know, after this Fed meeting, expect a lot of people to be talking about this because even if we get a 0.1% growth for Q3. That really ruins the narrative so many people have built up about, wow, back-to-back quarters mean of negative GDP means that we're in a recession. Now, yes, that's a great indicator of a recession, but it's exactly that. It's an indicator at the end of the day. Sorry, I'm not trying to change the definition of a recession here, but that's the facts of it. It is an indicator of a recession. doesn't necessarily mean it is a recession, um, but if we get any growth at all, it means that we're no longer in back-to-back quarters of negative GDP. Uh, So we could also see Q2 GDP revised higher with the way they've manipulated not only GDP data, CPI data, jobs data, why wouldn't they at least try to do so as well? And especially as we're now just roughly 40 days, just over 40 days away from the midterms. And you know our midterm thesis, We fully expect a melt-up into the midterms. It's the Democrats' only chance of having really any chance of stopping any form of a red wave in November. We think that's really already a done deal. Of course, barring any cheating, any rigging of elections here, which, as we've seen, can certainly happen. But... The Dems recognize that if they don't have a stock market that's going up, an economy that's at least looking better, maybe we get one more CPI print between now and then, then their chances of getting swept only increase. So the Biden administration has not stopped dialing the plunge protection team here every day and every night right now. Uh, So after tomorrow, really, it could be off to the races going into the midterms, especially if we get a little bit of a dovish tone from the Fed on their forward signaling from there playing their forward game. So that said, let's take a look at our market action on the day because it wasn't good. But we've continued to see this pattern of the indexes finishing off of their lows of the day. Think back to the last three sessions, we saw it Thursday, we saw it Friday, where we didn't finish positive, but we finished at the highs of the day. And we saw it yesterday with the strong smart money hour. Well, today, similar action. You know we finished well off the lows of the day and we got a good smart money hour so not what you want to see but those factors help out a little bit there so the leader today was the nasdaq down just under one 095 percent to eleven thousand four hundred and twenty five next up was the dow down one point zero one percent to thirty thousand seven hundred and six next up the s p 500 down one point one three percent to 3,855. And lastly, here, small caps leading the way lower down 1.4% to 1,787. And there's certainly, um, you know, just kind of a sidebar here, a lot of pessimism in this market right now. So back to the sentiment factors I was talking about earlier, if we can start to get some positive sentiment built into this market. That's another reason why we see this as almost a coiled spring ready to go higher. The fear and greed index at a 36. AAII still at very low levels. Out of the teens now, I think it was a 26 last week. Will be interesting to see what we get on Thursday. We're also seeing the VIX up as well, uh, but still not at extreme elevated numbers. Well below uh, the peak from a few months ago, still below a 30 at a 27 right now. Looking at our internals on the day, also not the numbers you want to see. Declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, over 4.5 to 1 negative for the NYSE. Just under 3 to 1 negative for the NASDAQ. 52 week highs to lows. Also pretty high today, really high. Climbing 960 stocks, hitting 52 week lows to just 42, hitting 52 week highs. Lastly here, volume big negative here for NYSE just under 7 to 1 negative declining volume to advancing volume uh, and 3 to 1 negative for the Nasdaq. Next up, looking at our sectors on the day today, all 11 S&P 500 sectors finished lower on the day today. Tech actually led the way, if you want to call it our leader, down just half a percent, so good to see tech leading and Nasdaq leading our major indexes. We didn't quite get the same action from the semis down roughly what 1.3% or so on the day, um, right in that range. But we were followed there by consumer staples, energy and healthcare. Our laggards on the day were real estate, materials and consumer discretionary. Finally for the day here, our VRA commodity watch, no relief here either, really it was just bonds today. Bonds and the VIX were the only things higher uh, for broad indexes that is, broad, broad metrics. Gold down just over three-tenths of 1% now to 1672 Next up, silver down half a percent to $19.26 an ounce. Copper down 0.38%, 38 special, <laughs> to $3.49 a pound. And oil down as well, 1.28% to $84.27 a barrel. Finally for today, Bitcoin down as well, 2.9% just barely off of the lows that it's had recently. If we could get a double bottom here and see Bitcoin start to lead, it is a risk on indicator. So if Bitcoin starts to lead here tells you that risk on appetite is back, Uh, seems to have found, you know, some buying at these levels around just below 20,000. So if that continues and we can get a rally from Bitcoin, be a very bullish sign for the rest of our markets as well. So Bitcoin uh, now at $18,952 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.